Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. I'm Steve Taylor, your host, and uh, I am joined today by two gentlemen from Green Cloud Defense. One is Steve Sims and the other is Keith Coker. They're, I'm, I'm pointing the wrong direction because everything's mirrored and it's weird. Um, but yes, uh, Steve, Keith, thanks so much for joining us. And um, f- fill us in, because I, I had a conversation with Green Cloud a while ago, and I, f- I think something's changed. I just can't put my finger on it. <laughs> well, just uh, uh, about a month ago, uh, Steve and, and his company actually go- joined the Green Cloud team. Um, we went through a rebranding uh, to, to become Green Cloud Defense. Uh, to where uh, security suite of services will be a core offering for Green Cloud uh, as we go forward. Very cool. All right, so let's let's talk about that because I'm gonna I'm gonna say before and after, like you know, some magical thing happened, right? So so basically, Green Green Cloud and another company. Uh, merged mergers and acquisition uh fun times and before that i feel like you guys were very much like a a data center and co-location type of company yeah so what our core business was uh, prior to this was um, providing cloud-based services uh, to managed service providers across the country so you know managed service providers who didn't want to go out and build their own infrastructure and devote both the capital resources and the intellectual talent to to running their cloud infrastructure could partner with us, go to market with us, and basically get a uh, a product that they could deliver to their end customers uh, seamlessly mm-hmm. w- without all of the the hassle of of trying to build it themselves. And and so because of that, like, are you not doing that anymore? Or we're absolutely still doing that. Um, okay. What led us to the um, to the decision to go out and and um, um, partner with with Cascade Defense was, you know, we'd become a trusted advisor, a technology partner for for you know over three hundred MSPs across the country, and our hands on approach to to support with those guys, um, you know, they were pushing us to develop a security service uh, and couple that with our cloud service such that they they had one less vendor. Uh, to work with delivering a holistic solution. And so as opposed to developing that internally, um, Steve and his team had spent the last several years building a a suite of security services 
that it made sense to um, to bring that in and 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 you know really acquire the talent uh, that he had put together over the last few years. Okay. Now, oh, we're already getting comments in the chat here. Uh, so I'm just going to bring this up for us to to talk about for a second. So there's a gentleman here that says he's bringing, he's working to bring more and more things offline. Uh, in this day and age, he cannot trust cloud services, most cloud services. And I, I don't think I blame him for that. You know, with, with things happening over at big companies like, uh, SolarWinds and FireEye and Microsoft. I mean, who can we trust and why can we trust you? You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's one of those adages where, you know, when we look at the security landscape, um, you know, cloud providers are a, a larger target because there's a lot of consolidated customers, uh, much like what we saw in the um, MSP RMM space where RMMs were getting attacked because, you know, being able to breach a single entity would then give you entree into 50 to, you know, several hundred customers. And so I, I think when you look at it, um, you know, we have a deep bench of security talent that most call it, you know, five to 20 person MSP shops probably don't want to field that level of talent and, and hold them there for their base. And so we're able to to acquire that that talent and and hold it internally and then allow the MSPs to leverage that expertise. So so while yes, there have been breaches, um, when you look at the totality of the breaches among premise environments, um, you know, with ransomware attacks and things like that, there's been a substantial uptick across the board, not only in cloud services, but in all services being uh, uh, being attacked. I mean, it's become big businesses for people to uh, to find breaches and to um, and to extort, you know, money out of the out, out of these businesses. And you know, one great way to make sure that doesn't happen to you or your clients is to pull all of your stuff off the cloud. Well, you know, I would I would say that whether you're in the cloud or whether you're on premise, there's the, the same you know vector applies. People are you know for us when we go to you know, deploy in our cloud environment. Uh, mm -hmm. Every customer is is segmented with its own networking, its own uh, firewalled environment, and so from from a networking standpoint, um, it looks like a premise environment. So there's not you know there's there's very little uh, space on the attack vector for someone to come through back in systems uh, from a networking standpoint. And so if you look at the the level of sophistication we're able to deploy. Um, you know, in a cloud basis, and then you look at a, a simple small business customer and what they're able to maintain on a premise basis, they become a lot more, they're a lot more exposed, quite frankly, because they can't dedicate the resources or the expertise to keeping, keeping themselves up to date. And I think when you look at, you know, the, the, from a security standpoint, right, you've got, you've got two kind of paths that you can think about. One is, are you a high value target? meaning people are willing to expend great effort to get to you because you have some type of information that's of, of significant value. And then at the other end of the spectrum, are you the least common denominator to be attacked in that you know, mass attacks are able to pick you out because you have, you're more vulnerable than you know, the, the, the people that are around you. And so I think what's happened is you know, 
years ago, people were protected because everybody was on a similar playing field. Well, the, the bad actors got more intelligent and people have deployed more security services. And as you deploy more security services, you have to continue that process because you don't want to get left behind. You want to be at least as secure as the average person or else now you're, you're on the low end, you're an easy target. And so what we're doing, you know, what, what we feel like, you know, we have different grades of products that people can deploy because it is an additional expenditure for end customers to bite off to, to secure themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they don't make these expenditures and they end up on the low end of, of the pole, then, then they're going to be the ones that are primarily uh, looked at to attack because they're the most vulnerable. All right. So let's, before we dive in too, too far into the security stuff, I just want to establish we'll, we'll call it um, the basement, right? <laughs> so let's, let's talk, let's, let's build a foundation here of who is green cloud that way people can get to know you guys a little better. And uh, I'm sorry, who's Green Cloud Defense? I'm sorry, that's going to be hard for me to do. So if I do it again, I will do it again. And I apologize. Um, all right. So Green Cloud Defense, do you guys have any like investors or is it a, a wholly privately owned company? So we, we do have investors. Um, just to give a little background on the company, um, we're, we'll be celebrating 10 years this year. So, so we've been around. And so as you're having problems saying Green Cloud Defense, I have a decade worth of learning that I've got to undo to, to get to Green Cloud Defense as well. So if I say it, I apologize. Um, but we, we are investor-backed. And so we have um, a number of individual investors that have been with us from early on. Um, and then our primary lender is uh, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. I've never heard of them. Have you heard yeah, of them, guys? Just, just small guy. Just... <laughs> they're, they're small. That's okay. Yeah, just a tiny little so bank. They, they they actually entered the company in 2018, and and they've been a good partner for for the last three years. That's very cool. Um. So with with Green Cloud Defense, that is is more like on the on the cybersecurity front than it is on the like cloud hosting front, correct? So the, the way we kind of looked at it is we, we have a, an established cloud hosting practice uh, that, you know, we've been growing uh, at a steady clip for, for the last 10 years. Um, we know that much like the sentiment that, w- that was shared, people, there's skepticism and there's a need for additional security when deploying cloud. And so what we're transitioning to is is more of a secure cloud service so that, you know, you don't, you, the MSP, do not have to secure the cloud that you're purchasing for your end customer. Uh, we will we will actually take on a significant portion of that burden, add the security parameters around it, as well as deploy premise-based security uh, where needed for uh, non-cloud customers. And, and that was going to be a follow-up question. So there are going to be some people that just don't want or need to use your cloud but they still have a need for security. Absolutely. So you'll be able to help those people out. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and I think now, I think a big sorry to, to jump in, please. but I, I think a big part of you know the, the rebranding and, and you know changing the name of Cascade or sorry of Green Cloud to Green Cloud Defense post Cascade Defense acquisition is 
is, you know, we really want to say that, you know, hey, we're still offering all of these great cloud services that we've always offered. Um, but we want to show that we are taking security, you know, as, a, as an utmost upfront kind of a priority in everything that we do moving forward. So as I come into the organization, you know, Keith has kind of uh, asked me to take a look at, hey, what are we doing today? How can we, how can we further increase and improve our security across the entire environment and, and integrate into the most basic level of services and capabilities that we offer? Integrate security right there at the forefront. Um, whereas, you know, a, a lot of cloud providers to, you know, some folks in the comments, um, especially these public side, that's a, that's a hundred percent on you. You know, you need to have a security plan when you move into the cloud. We want to provide a little bit of that capability so that, so that when you come and you take a look at green cloud defense from a cloud perspective, you're saying, all right, I know that these guys are taking security seriously up front, and I can trust that they're going to, going to help us along the way. <clears throat> So what pre pre acquisition merger, whatever it was, what did Cascade Defense do? So we so Cascade Defense was a Fortinet focused um, MSSP. So we offered uh, managed security services surrounding the Fortinet product portfolio. Um, so if if you're aware of anything about the Fortinet product portfolio, it's vast. Um, they've got a whole lot of different products. Um, all security focused. You know, they do wireless, they do switching, they do um, a, a lot of different things um, <clears throat> with with a security focus from the from the start, right? Mm -hmm. um, so rather than you know, rather than just building a, a router or a you know a stateful firewall that does you know just policy based stuff, they are adding security functionality from the get go, and and that that goes down to, to wireless APs, that goes down to the switching infrastructure, everything is security focused and giving the, the utmost ability to, to have visibility into the organization in that environment. So we based our security services around that. <clears throat> so we offered, and, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna ask what types of stuff you offered. So again, just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So um, primarily it was managed firewall switching and wireless. And, and the reason we wanted to do those three things is we saw kind of a spot in the market, especially in SMB and, and this, this space where MSC, MSPs play in that, you know, organizations aren't necessarily um, taking the time to have good visibility into that environment and pay attention to the security um, of that edge appliance, right? A lot of people describe firewalls as set it and forget it type of devices where you set your policy and I don't need to back out of that policy. I don't need to change it. I don't need to improve it. I don't need to do anything, right? Um, so our idea was, hey, let's go in. Let's take a look at your business processes. Let's limit this down as much as possible and limit your um, exposure um, and risk there. And then, you know, it... it moves away from being a set it and forget it device into a real living thing, just like the business is, right? So we're actually taking, <clears throat> taking time to learn the environment, taking time to understand what needs to happen in order for business to operate. Uh, and, then, and then we're taking the security approach toward that in order to um, secure those devices. And we're, you know, offering, you know, your standard type of managed firewall service, but we're doing it from a security mindset up front. So we're having those discussions about, hey, we want to move into the cloud. We don't trust it. 
um, or or we don't you know feel good about moving to this SaaS platform. How can you guys help us secure it from the firewall, from the switching, from the wireless side, from the endpoints? Um, and how can you do that? So we we really kind of try to partner with with organizations to have those discussions because you know a, a lot of people unfortunately still sit in that mindset of hey this is a set it and forget it appliance and once my security is in place uh, that's it. And- and Steve, one thing that kind of led us to Cascade that was a little bit different, um, we have a very hands-on approach with our partners. Um, and that's one of the things that we kept hearing uh, repeatedly from the MSPs you know, that had, had purchased com- kind of competing security services is they were getting a lot of data, but not a lot of information. And so they, they, were, they were getting so many, so much data thrown at them that the ability, you know, for them to digest it and and create actionable, um, actionable task off of it was very difficult. And so one of the things that um, Steve and team had done was to um, build out a SOC that had monthly interactions with all their clients, which mm-hmm. took kind of the burden of processing that that those data sets out of the hands of the of the in in customers and gave them kind of a, a, a almost like a CISO level interaction um, at an end customer level on a monthly basis to kind of let them know what was happening in their environment, what items they needed to respond to. Um, and that was one of the big requests we had from our MSP base was, you know, as as we were building this service to make sure that we didn't place a, any substantial burden on them. Um, to you know dissect data, but we gave them tasks that that could be very actionable by their techs uh, to to support their end customers. Okay, now this sounds very complicated, and <laughs> it's it's so complicated. Like I'm just not gonna do it because I don't have time for all that stuff, guys. Like. My clients will probably be fine, right? I don't. Most of your clients probably will be fine, but the one that doesn't. All um, right, all right. Yeah. That's. I mean, it, it. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's. It used to be, you know, the probability of a customer getting hit was was low, and, and quite frankly, mm-hmm. a lot of MSPs took the approach of it's not going to happen to me. But now, and, I mean, and it wasn't when you. It wasn't going to happen to us. When you look across our 300 MSPs, we have a number of them that have been, uh, you know, have customer in customers, not necessarily cloud customers, but but customers that they support, that um, you know that that have been breached in some way, whether it be be ransomware attacks or or something more uh, nefarious. Um, and so we hear these stories, and and you know, us moving into the security space was not you know, a, a build it and they will come strategy. I mean, we, we have been pushed by a large percentage of our partners to, to get this service rolled out and give them a customer friendly service that they can consume. All right. Um, let's talk about your team for a moment. Where is everyone located? Are, are they in the U S <laughs> yes, they're all domestically located. Um, all right. And are are they all employees or any of them subcontractors or outsourced? 
Yeah, essentially everyone, everyone that a, a partner will talk to is an employee. We have a one or two 1099s that, that we use from time to time. But um, everyone in the support stack um, is is an employee of Green Club. Okay. And um, compliance. Do you guys do you guys do anything today with compliance or is is your is your service or your data center or what however you want to look at it is it meeting certain compliance like uh SOC or, or any of that yeah. type of stuff so we have kind of as a, as a base service uh, as a base layer um SOC 3 you know which is encompassing of SOC 2 type 2 mm-hmm. um we have ISO 27001 um and we have PCI DSS um compliance. And so we, we have all of this for, for our environment. Uh, but you know, the, the way we kind of couch our service is, you know, being a subcontractor of a subcontractor to the end customer, you know, we provide many tool sets that allow that end customer to become compliant, but we cannot by ourselves make that end customer compliant. Uh, but we make that process much, much simpler with us than without us. Got it. And let's let's talk about some other security stuff that that's like around your product. Mm-hmm. So with with the cloud, um, like you're kind of hosting our data, right? Mm-hmm. And who can access that data? Like at the end of the day, can can your employees like if if they needed to provide us tech support, can they remotely log into one of the VMs and technically see all of our files? So it is, that is um, a decision that each MSP makes on each individual customer, whether we have access to, you know, at what level access we can, we can get information. Um, Many of our, our support, you know, kind of the base level of our support goes to the hypervisor level which means we, we won't necessarily have credentials for the, the VMs that are, that are running inside of that hypervisor. Nice. And customers may encrypt that data such that we have no access to the, to the data. Uh, we, we have MSPs who leverage our services uh, a little more and have us help them troubleshoot from time to time uh, VM problems, VM issues. And mm-hmm. they will provide us credentials at that time to hop on and help them troubleshoot. Uh, but we do not store nor maintain those credentials uh, on a permanent basis. Okay. Now, let's talk more about. Uh, actually, wait. More, more about um, security surrounding. Uh, for the MSPs to like set something up, is there a portal? Can we like self-provision things? So, uh, a basic service can be self-provisioned. Uh, we do have a multi-tenant portal uh, that customers are able to place orders and um, turn up services. Um, with the with the recent uh, acquisition of Cascade Defense, we have not fully automated those products yet, so there's still a little bit of work to do there. Um, but you can get a base uh, cloud service uh, instantiated with with security services around them uh, through our portal. And do you have 2FA to get into the portal optional or required? 
Um, it is, I'm trying to think. I think we have recently made it required. Aha. Uh, now, as long as that's true, I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> we, we had, there was a long debate about that, let me tell you. Because <laughs> it, it shot up the number of password requests. <laughs> um, all right. So someone here said, I would probably want to allow for credentials for password resets, but leave the data encrypted. Um, so I, I guess I want to follow up with that. If, if, if they're letting you have credentials and they're asking you to do password resets, like they're paying you for remote hands, I assume. So that's a very expensive password reset. It, so l let's make sure there, there's multi levels of passwords and, and what I was referring to. So we have a, um, a the, our outside portal which you can see holistically all of your services. And then as you bury in, you get credentials for um, your each individual customer tenant can have its own set of credentials, which manages the compute and storage layer. And then the mm -hmm. VMs the inside of there, which are typically Windows VMs, have their own set of credentials. Uh, we maintain access to the credentials up through the hypervisor. So we... We have, you know, passwords for the portal. We have passwords for uh, the compute and storage resources that can be assigned. It's the VM uh, or the, the Microsoft passwords on the VMs themselves that I was referring to that, you know, we no longer, we, we wouldn't maintain, uh, but would, you know, request them if they want to help, uh, want us to help troubleshoot them. Got it. Now, Let's let's talk about the cloud here for a second. So you guys are have basically, you know, started building out this data center and and building I'm going to call it your own private cloud even though it's you know, publicly accessible yeah. and you you resell it and and all that stuff, but like you you're making your own I'll call it like miniature azure basically, right? Yeah, so we run uh six different data centers now across the country. Okay. Um, and, and we are, it is VMware based. And so if people do not want to refactor, uh, their applications to fit in a public cloud, um, you know, and they have been running historically in a VMware environment, uh, we can, we can typically, you know, consume those with very little effort, more of a lift and shift, um, as opposed to a refactoring effort, um, as well as, um, most MSPs have a, a good knowledge of VMware and how it works, um, as opposed to having to learn you know, new vernacular and, and new networking techniques inside of Azure and AWS. And so, you know, many times there's a comfort factor in being able to get customers into a cloud environment without having to completely relearn the environment that they're moving to. Okay. I like that. That actually makes a lot of sense. So so for the people that have traditionally been um recommending and managing and and setting up and everything VMware base um this is a a very easy maneuver if they want to say you know what it just doesn't make sense for for me to have my my client servers at the client site you know the 
they maybe they have a an internet connection outage. Maybe everyone's working from home still. Um and and maybe they want to get rid of the office, but where do the servers go? So basically how 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 would that work? Like how would that how would that migration go getting our servers from local VMware into the cloud and how much downtime will there be? Um, it's, we usually do the cutover over, um, you know, a two to four hour maintenance window. Um, at this point we've done literally thousands of those migrations, um, of small businesses over, uh, you know, our typical situation or that we enter into, um, a managed service provider is typically, they, they bought a couple of racks at a data center. They built a VMware environment. They're running four five, six of their 50 customers inside of that VMware. And so we'll start with things that they've already virtualized into their own hardware. But maybe they don't want to go through a hardware refresh, you know, at that site. Maybe they need additional security measures. Maybe the 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 customers are asking for secondary site recovery. Things that they don't necessarily want to make an additional investment in. That's usually our entrance into an MSP to have them kind of offload that burden that uh, of the you know four or five customers that they built something for. And so we start out with actually migrating, you know, those handful of customers over, uh, you know, doing a couple of thousand of these. We, we kind of know where the gotchas are. We built, you know, nice tool sets to, to do this migration. Um, and we do, you know, a substantial amount of the heavy lifting to, um, to stand it up. And essentially what we're doing is we're building a, a disaster recovery site and then we're having a managed failover of that disaster recovery site into our environment. Um, and so we'll use tools like, you know, Zerto, um, VMware availability suite, um, you know, some tools as old as like StorageCraft uh, for a specific server types. We, we, we have a lot of tools at our disposal that we've, we've kind of honed over the years. So it doesn't matter if we have physical machines, a combination of physical and virtual or are entirely reliant on, on VMware. That's we can, and and it doesn't even matter if we're using if we're using like the free or the super cheap version of VMware. You can still get that into. I assume you're using like vSphere, and um, mm-hmm. inside your system, you've probably even got the ability to like use vMotion and and that type of stuff to move things from one server to another. That way, you know, if if you have a server that needs to be upgraded, you can you can. VMotion and everything over to another server. I, if I recall correctly, I, I never really got into VMware. I was more of a of a Hyper-V guy. <laughs> but I, I recall uh, VMotion, no downtime, right? That's correct. So that's awesome. Um, all right. So that means we don't have to deal with hardware when we're hosting with green cloud, just like we wouldn't have to, if we were in AWS or Azure. So if, if you love hyper V, what's the selling point to consider green cloud defense? We have, we've never went down the hyper V path. So it's one of those things where, you know, for, for us, um, we, you know, if someone is is completely sold on Hyper-V, um, you know, we, we would make the argument that, you know, with us taking care of the hypervisor, 
that it shouldn't matter what the underlying uh, service is. Uh, that's, that burden is on us. Uh, but if someone's completely hung up, then, then Green Cloud Defense is probably not the, the best place to park the services. Okay. And if you love Hyper-V and, and you insist on managing the hypervisor, you can go to a service like Azure where you can uh, deal with the hypervisor and all the craziness that comes with an Azure system. <laughs> yep. um, but, okay, so let's let's talk about on the flip side for a second here. Um, why do I even need a server, man? Like, come on, it's 2021. <laughs> Shoes practically lace themselves. My skateboard doesn't have wheels. It just hovers. Like, what do I need a server for? Um, you know, Microsoft has Microsoft 365. And, um, you know, Azure AD, I don't need a server. The, the vast majority of our customers have, have gone through the conversion to uh, Office 365. We have almost no Exchange environments running uh, inside, almost no Exchange servers running inside our environment. So we encourage people to move to Office 365 as part of the conversion into the cloud. Um, as far as other servers, I mean, our typical deployment, you know, if you looked across our, our thousands of customers, it's, you know, we'll run a file server, an AD server, a financial server, and then two, three, four, you know, line of business servers. And, and most of, most of our customers fit that profile. Uh, many times the line of business servers have not, you know, they do not offer a, uh, a cloud version. And, you know, they have some type of attachment to, uh, to AD and to um, file services that are needed to run them. And so having them in the same data center and reducing any of that latency that you would get to a, uh, you know, an, an off-premise or uh, another site for file services actually makes those uh, legacy applications run better. Okay. The, the other thing to think about there too is, you know, when, when looking at moving to SaaS platforms, um, you know, and, and this is a big piece of, of what we have offered is, and, and as part of the Green Cloud Defense team, is secure SD-WAN. Having the ability to ensure that even if you do move up to a SaaS platform, you have the ability to secure it and have that, that highly available environment where you're using redundant internet connections, where you're using, um, you know, some SD-WAN capability to ensure performance out of those SaaS applications that might be out there. Um, such as Office 365 or um, or Salesforce or whatever it might be, right? So if you make the decision to not move into the cloud um, because it just doesn't make sense for what you're trying to do, um, you know, there's options to continue to uh, improve your security surrounding that using things like Secure SD-WAN, um, using things like Cloud Access Security Brokers or, or what's called CASBs. Um, those kinds of things in order to secure your access to the SaaS platform. Um, so I, th I think a big piece is, hey, cloud works for a whole lot of people. And, and the way Green Cloud Defense does cloud works for a whole lot of people. But in those instances where it doesn't, you can still secure that. And the services that we offer can help to do that. <clears throat> All right. So you mentioned SD-WAN. I, I love opening this can of worms because I've got some friends who um, 
think SD-WAN is snake oil uh, because you can't QoS, you can't quality of service the internet, Steve. And I, th- I think that's like exactly what SD-WAN is doing, isn't it? Um, to a certain sort extent. Of? Really, what you're doing is allowing the software to define what your routing is for that specific application or that internet capability, right? So if there are some systems that have direct tie-ins to things like Azure, AWS, Salesforce, Office 365, all of these things, um, really what it comes down to is you're allowing the software um, to define how it wants to route over the internet. So if, if you have a circuit that's, you know, you have a whole lot of brownouts on this circuit, and it, you know, you have, you know, really good throughput, really low latency um, one minute and the next minute you don't. And then you have another circuit that's, that seems to only be the opposite, right? It, it gives you the opportunity to specify based on application, based on destination of that traffic, which, which circuit to apply that traffic to in order to give you mm. the best experience out of those services. So. So to an extent, I, I agree and understand. But if you have multiple internet circuits and you're able to define, hey, if I have you know 50 to 200 milliseconds of latency on this one circuit and this other circuit has 10 to 13, I want to choose this other circuit for this application for this moment, for this particular session that I'm generating out of this service. Um, and you can do that dynamically. The best part is... That software is a whole lot faster and a whole lot smarter than you or I are, um, and so um, it's going to make those decisions on a split second, you know, session origination um, type of type of time frame, and make those decisions quickly for you. So you're not failing over circuits if you have these brownouts. You just have that ability. So yes, I I understand what you're saying. You cannot QoS the internet. It's a it's a yeah. big place, but. If you have multiple circuits, you can choose how to use those circuits in the most effective manner by using SD-WAN to do that. Yeah, the, the way I kind of couch it in, in my simple terms is it doesn't make bad cir- circuits good, but it picks the best option you have available at the time. Okay. Now, let's let's talk about some of the things that you've added recently, some of these services. Because it, it sounds like you've added some like MSSP type stuff. And so far, it sounds like it's all based around the hardware. So the Fortinet hardware. Are there any other new services you've added to the MSSP, to the cybersecurity stack here? So, yeah, and, and, and Steve can talk through some of these. But, I mean, we're still uh, in the integration part with, with Cascade, but we will have... Uh, SIM services, EDR services uh, that will be that will be rolling out as a, as multi-tenant services um, very shortly, and so they are around the Fortinet family of products, um, but it is it is more extensive than um, than just hardware-based services um, or or virtual appliance-based services. I guess I should say. Got it. Okay. So. Let's let's talk about that a little further. Um, let's let's pretend that I'm an MSP. I don't need to host anything in the cloud right now. My clients, everything just seems like it's working perfectly. Knock on wood, right? But um, I, I need to start taking security a little bit more seriously. 
why do I call you? I think the primary reason is is the reputational uh, value of support. So inside of the MSP community, I think we've we've built a brand that we're a, a trustworthy partner, and we don't have you know direct sales that are competing with them, um, and that we're not afraid to to roll up our sleeves in a true partnership and help them get a service launched, figuring out not only the technical side of it, but also the business side of how you market to your end customers, which customers to go target. Um, so it's, it's really a joint relationship that we try to build. Um, you know, it takes a time. It, it, you know, we, we make a significant investment in new partners um, as we onboard them uh, in learning and understanding their businesses to make sure that, you know, what we're positioning works for their customer profile um, and the best way to go target their customers. All right. That that's good. But I still don't feel like I got my question answered. <laughs> and I'm and now I'm gonna start beating you guys up. So um let me rephrase the question. I've got a client that has fifty users, and let's just pretend that they're all working in their office and COVID doesn't exist. <laughs> um they're they're using Office uh, Microsoft 365. Everything's cloud based through there. You know they've got Teams and OneDrive and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, everyone's got laptops. Sometimes they do meetings at Panera or uh, take a, a a day to work from home so that they can spend time with the the baby or the kids or whatever. Why do I need you to boost their security? I, I think I think where we'd start with that is, you know, as as Keith mentioned, we we take a significant amount of time in understanding the environment that we're walking into, right? We're gonna mm-hmm. help them understand where their gaps may be. Um, you know. We, ha- we have a pretty um, experienced teams in a whole lot of different aspects of IT in a whole lot of aspects from both the MSSP or the MSP side as well as the security side networking um, you know even you know just sysadmin for an end user customer we have guys that have been in in all of those scenarios right so what we try to do is come in learn the environment kind of <clears throat> help them to understand where their gaps might be and then put together a roadmap to get you from you know, we have a we have a security program that is kind of a, a D or an F today. And let's take these, you know, very logical steps to go from that D where we're sitting today with the security that we have in place to an A. And let's let's build that roadmap to get there. So in your examples, whether that's endpoint detection and response, next gen um, endpoint protection, whether that's um, SSL VPN capabilities for those stay-at-home or remote workers, always on IPsec VPN on the endpoint, um, securing those connections um, both into the um, on-prem environment um, so that they have access to the resources there uh, in their office space, uh, just like they would if they're sitting in the office. Or, um, you know, if they happen to be in the cloud, we can secure those resources as well. So every business is going to be different, right? And so if you don't sit down and take the time to understand what their specific business and use case is um, and, and help them build a roadmap based on that, then, then you're kind of doing a disservice. And that's where we come in. 
we want to make sure that we get that right and help them increase their business operations capability. <clears throat> All right. So if I go into the Fortinet website, it doesn't seem like they do endpoint protection. So what are you using to provide that type of service? So they, they actually do. They have they have several products. They have one that is called FortiClient, which actually does um, some proxy capabilities and some some what what I would consider um, legacy um, endpoint protection. Right, it's doing your signature based AV, your si signature based IPS, um, and it's doing some web filtering, content filtering types of capabilities. And that's FortiClient. <clears throat> they actually acquired a company. Uh, the years are starting to run together, either either last year or the year before, um, called InSilo. And InSilo is a next-gen endpoint protection uh, suite. And so uh, Forta EDR is what that's called. If, if you get to know the Fortinet realm at all, everything is Forta something. Um, and so Forta EDR is a next-gen endpoint detection response product where um, it's not just looking at signature-based attacks. Um, it's looking at... Uh, the heuristics, the behavior of specific applications on that endpoint, and understanding exactly um, what what is normal, what what Notepad should be doing versus what Notepad mm -hmm. is doing, right? Uh, and finding those abnormalities and blocking that uh, based on various application whitelists, blacklists, um, you know, uh, various threat intelligence sources and things like that. So that capability is absolutely there. All right, so. Security is an onion, right? That's that's Absolutely. what everyone talks about. You know, security is okay. an onion. You need to have multiple layers. But I I've I've also found that security isn't just one onion. You know, like se security is maybe it's a sweet onion and a yellow onion and a red onion. Like you don't want to have just Fortinet products because one one vulnerability might be in multiple products and it might even span multiple types of products to where now people can just kind of get right through the whole Fortinet solution. So if you were using like Fortinet hardware and Sophos endpoint protection and Huntress Labs and this and that and whatever else, um, now you have your collection of onions, your collection of, of uh, better layers sure. where now, now you've got this ridiculousness of logs and that's where the sock and SIM really come into play because they're able to take all of those logs from all the various manufacturers of products and begin correlating that data to is, is this an issue we need to, be concerned about exactly. or not yeah absolutely so i mean one of the things you know we know that msps have specific products that they have spent spent time and money um deploying and and quite frankly learning and so as we roll out you know our services we'll be able to ingest other edrs so if there's a msp who has a concern uh or has a preference to a specific edr we'll actually be able to ingest uh the feeds from not just the 40 EDR, but from whatever EDR that, that they have deployed. All right. Yeah, I mean, now, the, the whole idea, and, and you touched on it, it, 
security is an onion, right? Mm-hmm. And every layer that you add to your defense of that whole defense and debt strategy is giving you more logs, is giving you more data, it's giving small small to medium businesses absolutely don't have the manpower to do that. A lot a lot of MSPs in you know in across the country don't have the manpower or the time to have folks that are able to sit down and look at that, even if they had a SIM to take action on the number of alerts that they're receiving from their infrastructure, from their customers' infrastructure, is a lot. And and that is that is kind of the whole idea around our SOC and the service, some of the service is um, a like Keith mentioned, make it agnostic. You know, we're we stick to the Fortnite brand because we understand it. We trust it. We know, you know, we've, we've been doing it for a very long time uh, and, and we're in a good spot because of it. <clears throat> that's, that's not everybody, right? Um, sure. And so we have to be agnostic um, in our approach to bringing in logs. Um, the, the biggest thing is getting those critical data sources, your domain controller, your endpoint protection, your network WAN edge. Um, those kinds of logs have to come in and they're not always going to be for So. So we're ingesting those, we're correlating those events and finding the behaviors in the environment that point to an indicator of compromise. Okay. Now, I just want to look through the, the chat here and see if I've missed any questions. Um, the the one question that I saw, it was more along the lines of like, does, does Green Cloud Defense ever make sense for either the work from home people uh, or maybe just the the solopreneur the the business with one person or even just consumers residential I mean since we don't sell directly I mean it, we sell through MSPs uh, there may be no, no, and, and and I just want to clarify for the MSP can can greed cloud defense, make sense for those types of clients? It, it, there are people who are standalone environments that are sophisticated enough to where it would make sense to. Okay. Um, I would say in general, probably not. But, you know, we have entrepreneurs who, you know, are sizable customers with us that are that are one, two-person shops. Um, you know, so it's it's a scenario where if you have, you know, work from home, that needs, you know, specific SSL VPN or a specific type of security profile, it may be worth the investment to apply it to, you know, to a single user, um, you know, for their protection. Got it. All right. And let's talk pricing. Um, because, you know, there's there's a lot of different SOC SIM um, EDR, uh, uh, MTR. I mean, all, all these, all these different acronyms get so confusing and, and, you know, some place says that they're a sock and that they have a SIM, but maybe it only does certain types of logs or devices or whatever. So it's, it's even difficult to compare apples to apples because, uh, if we're going to stick with the food analogies, right. Uh, because it's not like it's not like all apples are apples, right? You know, you've got your your uh, gosh, Honeycrisp and your your Golden Delicious and your 
Granny Smith and you know, and all these different apples, right? So just because they're all apples, like hell, you could get sixteen apples and they all taste a little different because I don't know genetically modified food seeds or whatever. However they do it. <laughs> so. So with that, like, I can't, I can't really sit here and be like, oh, well, you guys should use Vigilant or you should use Green Cloud Defense, like, because I don't think any of you guys are the same. It's, it's not like comparing ConnectWise PSA to Autotask PSA. Does that make sense? It, it does, and and trust me, as as we've you know positioned this product in the marketplace, us trying to understand what our competitors are doing. And what's actually being delivered versus what the marketing slicks say is is has been a tough task, quite frankly. Um, we've had to rely much more on, you know, what individual MSP partners' experiences have been with these these customers than than the marketing materials that were put out by by anyone. Um, and so, like you said, I mean, it it is very very difficult to do an apples to apples comparison. Um, you know, I think where we kind of hang our hat is is we're going to be price competitive. We may not be the cheapest person in town, but we will be competitive with with all the offerings that that we've seen out there. Um, we have products that are geared from a price point standpoint to the SMB space. So many times in the security framework, you have price points that are that are focused at the enterprise space and just don't work for for the SMBs. And so, you know, we we think we have a price point that works in the SMB space that allows the MSP to to make margin, or you know to have a margin on the product and still have a competitive price point to their to their end customer. Um, you know, um, it, it's it, and I'll, I'll say that was not an easy task. Um, hmm. You know, that was not an easy task to get uh, price points. But you know, when you look at both Green Cloud and our company experience prior to that, I mean. That's what we have done time and time and again for the last 25 years is we've taken enterprise class products and we figured out how to package and support products that, you know, SMBs can get enterprise class services at prices they can afford. I mean, that's, that's what we've done our entire career. Got it. Okay. Now, Steve, I know that you've got, um, very confusing looking screen. That you're, that you're willing to share with people, um, can can you kind of of lead up to that? And, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, we've kind of we've we've spoken about it. What our what our service is is getting to understand, getting to the point where we truly understand um, our customers' business, right? Okay. Um, understanding where um, where normal traffic exists and where abnormal traffic. Um, and, and what that plays into is, um, you know, just having the visibility, the, the whole idea of the SOC SIM is having visibility into all of the different pieces of that, right? The entire point of, of having someone like us manage your firewalls is that we have guys that can sit there and dig through logs to find those abnormal events and, and alert you proactively to understand, um, you know, where we need to go. Um, and, and look in your environment for security risks, um, or in a, in a lot of cases, where we can find operational IT issues um, that 
that drive either security risks or um, you know just operational ineffectiveness, right? <clears throat> and so what I've got here is you know it's it's not anything uh, incredibly fancy. What we're doing is is just showing some of the dashboards, some of the data that we are that we are looking at in order to perform that service, right? Um, we you know we we live in the Fortinet set of products. Today, what I'm showing you is is what's called the Fortinet Analyzer. Um, what my team does is dig through the the raw log data, the logs that we are seeing here, to find those anomalies, to find abnormal traffic, and alert on it. <clears throat> so, got it. That's that's kind of what we're looking at here. This is our um, this is one of our office firewalls that we have um, that's just collecting a whole bunch of data for us. So. <clears throat> You know, our team is looking, and I'll expand this a little bit here, but our team is looking at things like the countries and the regions of, um, you know, that, that we're reaching out to. Where are we seeing some of these, you know, high, um, high session counts? Um, what countries are those going to, right? <clears throat> there are obviously um, a number of countries that we want to be a little bit suspect of if we see the, that traffic in our environment, right? <clears throat> And so we want to know what that looks like. We want to understand um, what that is. So, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at the top uh, countries of, of destination and or uh, sources of traffic that we're looking at. Um, also, we, we want to kind of understand what, you know, uh, on, on kind of a, a term, uh, or I should, uh, I should say a timeline, what, what is our trending data look? This particular um, set of data here that I'm looking at is over the last 12 hours. So I can kind of see, hey, there wasn't a whole lot of people in the office, some backup started up, we probably had a couple of people connect to VPN, that kind of thing, and then around seven o'clock, people started coming into the office and we see, um, you know, maybe right here is probably about where we started this, this uh, screen share and things like that, right? So we're seeing a whole bunch of traffic um, we're seeing kind of trending analysis that allows us to determine what is um, normal and what's abnormal. And we can do this all the way up to, you know, 30, 45, 60, 90 days of data um, so that we really understand what that trend looks like there. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, kind of understanding what policies those are hitting and that kind of thing to truly understand the source and destination. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned it a few times, but in getting to understand each individual customer and how they do business and establishing, I mean, you brought it up, you know, in, in the beginning of this, we want to kind of set a baseline. We want to set that foundational level of understanding of an environment, right? And then, and then from that, we can understand how we're going to, um, you know, respond and um, work through this environment to make, um, you know, small changes along the way, along the, you know, the lifetime of a partnership with that customer in, in improving um, the security of their environment. So um, this is one tool that we use to do that. There's a, there's a whole lot, but I, I at least wanted to show the, the kind of data that we're talking about here. <clears throat> now, um, see, when I look at this data, like, I mean, I know what I'm looking at in the sure. sense of like, I understand what the source IP and the interface, and I understand every column and what they are. Sure. I don't understand how to take all of this information 
and use it. Sure, absolutely. And that's, that's where our team helps, right? Our, sure. our team is taking that information and turning it into something actionable. Um, so, so we understand that, hey, you know, this, this source IP address that, that's on this interface, which obviously I happen to know, is it's it's got a million sessions in the last twelve hours, right? It's a lot of sessions, <laughs> but ten dot anything, session. I'm pretty sure, is an internal IP. So exactly, there's nothing exactly. wrong so, with that. Yes and no, right? If 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 a device has command and control um, malware on it, right? It has um, some sort of data exfiltration happening, and we want to see, or it's or it's even you know being used in a botnet. We'll see these types of of systems creep up in these lists of either allowed or blocked traffic, and we'll see those sessions increase as they go along, right? So that's the part of picking up by our guys digging into each environment and understanding that particular customer's use case. We see uh, what's normal on a on a day to day basis, uh, week to week basis, and so we can pick out those those one or two idiosyncrasies, those those strange occurrences, like you're talking about. If, if I see, you know, I know that this device over a 12-hour period is going to give me 1.6, 1.7 million sessions, right? If I see another device on my network that might be, you know, on, on a different interface, you know, a, a, my production SSID or something like that, creep up into that million session count, then I know there's a problem. We need to investigate what that looks like. We dig into the traffic. We take a look at that. And we can help that customer determine how to react to that specific incident, right? Got it. So it's okay. it's not just a, you know, I, I mentioned it very early on. It's not just set it and forget it. You know, you, you don't just go into a, a, a firewall that's really protecting you from the entire internet. Um, and, and we have that conversation with a lot of customers out here in the Northwest. We're dealing with North Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, all of these very disparate <laughs> rural regions, right? <clears throat> And they say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in rural Montana. Nobody wants my data. Well, the internet doesn't care where you're at. You're just a number. You're just an address that's out on the World Wide Web for everyone in China, Pakistan, Iran, Russia, et cetera, et cetera, to, to access your environment. Mm-hmm. Having an, a mentality of set it and forget it on the, on the appliance that protects you from that um, that's a scary mentality. And so we just live by the rule of this is not set and forget it. We're going to constantly manipulate and, and manage this environment effectively to increase security effectiveness. And this, and, this really is kind of frontline defense against that, right? So, so, so let's talk so about let's talk about the selling exercise first. So so um uh, what, what you said what, just what now, you said just now, you know, if you know if the uh, Yates, 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 Yates network if you could tell me you would tell me what state you're in or even better or even better than your major city major city put that in the chat put that in the because I'm genuinely curious. Now now this this guy here this guy here and I'm not picking and I'm not picking on I want to I want to uh I'm getting bad static, I'm getting bad again. static again. Is it for both is of you guys? For both of you guys? Oh, this is cool. This is crazy. Let me refresh. Let me refresh this. I'll be back in like 15 seconds. And then we'll and then we'll continue that. Hopefully, Gates will have put the city. The city. Sounds great. Oh, they hear it. They hear it on the stream as well. Okay. 
Okay, is it better now? That's much better. All right. Oh, this is so frustrating. <laughs> um, all right, North Carolina. That's where he's at. So I consider North Carolina like to not be in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's there's a couple of, of nice big cities there. Yeah, they've got uh, some rural areas with, you know, what do they grow? Cane sugar and tobacco, right? Like, that's what I consider the Carolinas. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so, okay. So, so you've got, uh, some, some businesses that you're supporting that maybe are in the tobacco or, or dairy or something like that type of industries. And then maybe you're supporting, um, I'll call it the farms. And those might only have a few workstations because most of the workers are, we'll call them migrant workers who probably have all their, uh, paperwork in order. I'm sure of it. And, um, and so there's only a couple machines for you to support, but, but just because you're in rural America, I mean, they don't care where you are. It's, it's not, uh, I'm in North Carolina. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. They don't, they don't, they don't want my stuff. Like they don't care if you are a dairy farm with one computer or if you are uh, a top 50 company in the nation, every business, every IP address is an opportunity to make a fraction of a Bitcoin. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So the, I, I think that's the hardest thing for folks to understand. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, the, the thing that I hear a lot is, well, you know, my information is already out there and available on the Internet. I said, okay, well, go and hand it to your competitor and see what they think. Um, right. Obviously, you have secrets. You need to protect something. You need to protect your customer information. You need to protect your proprietary information, whatever that might be. Or you just need to protect that information that belongs to and is of your employees, right? Um, that, that critical, those, those pieces of critical data. To your point, they don't, they don't care whether they get half a Bitcoin on this one or... 30 bitcoin on the next one it's it's part of a bitcoin right or it's it's some level of effect on someone else they don't necessarily you know those guys that are trying to make money that's one thing the guys that are just out there to be malicious that's a whole other thing they don't care who they impact they don't care what they're touching if they find a vulnerable ip address they're going to do everything they can to to you know uh, direct effect onto that target um it, it doesn't matter where it's at or who it is Right. So I, I think the three of us all agree on, on that point of uh, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what color you are, what uh, political party you like, wh who your favorite sports team is. OK, it doesn't matter. I live in Cleveland. OK, I, I, we're not going to win anything ever again. They still want to hack me and see if they can get some Bitcoin. Doesn't matter. Now, uh, Yates Networks has also said, I wouldn't expect to be profitable on green cloud defense. I want to keep losses minimal. I think people expect far too much, honestly. I don't even know where to begin with that 
Um, Yates, you're better than that, first of all. Uh, <laughs> I think um, as IT people, we need to stop looking at ourselves as, you know, the computer guy and start looking at ourselves as you know, the computer surgeon. Okay, you're not you're not just the the guy that you you take the car to to fix the brakes. You know, you're you're the the professional. You're 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 not the the blue collar plumber. You're like a lawyer, you're like a doctor or a surgeon. You know, you should you should demand uh, you know, $100 or more an hour first of all. If you look at what lawyers charge, I mean some of the best lawyers are like Eight hundred an hour, right? A thousand an hour. Um, depending on where you're at, they might even be more. Fifteen hundred if if you're over in like DC, right? So why can't IT people demand higher rates? Because they should. And and if everyone were to say, "Hey, look, uh, here's here's what I'm offering you. This is what it costs," you know it. It costs me money to provide these services, and I've got to eat too. Um, so so what? How how do you guys help MSPs sell your service? Because nobody should have this type of mindset when it comes to security. I I, I will echo your comments one hundred percent. I mean, as as businesses have evolved their reliance on technology to run their underlying business has grown substantially. And the IT professionals who are supporting them are no longer, as you said, fixing a computer. They're enabling their business. And their business does not function if their IT needs are not met. And, mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, that is part and parcel to, uh, to, to business now. And, you know, yes, you still have people who, you know, try to, you know, spend as little as possible on IT from an end customer standpoint. But as, as an MSP community, I mean, you are vital to enabling businesses to operate in this day and time. And, and so I think, you know, we, we preach that message a lot. You know, don't sell yourself short. Um, you know, if, if you've established good rapport with your end customers, they will rely on you heavily for decisions that affect their business, not just their technology needs. <clears throat> and when you look at products like security services, I mean, you know, we think there should be, um, you know, decent margin or good margin in these services uh, because there's, there's limited investment, uh, upfront investment from the MSP. And so, you know, if they, if you can get 20 to 30% margin, um, that greatly aids in the cash flow because there is no monetary expenditure to get that business. Um, it's typically sold to an existing customer um, as opposed to a, a brand new engagement. And so your, your cost of acquisition is low. Um, you know, if you look at, um, you know, the newspaper or, or, or media, it is a selling tool for security services today. Because very rarely do you open the Wall Street Journal and, and people have, you know, is there not something in there with a security slant to it? Somebody getting compromised, uh, a municipality, uh, an mm -hmm. enterprise, you know, small business ransomware attacks. Um, and, you know, from, from that standpoint, 
I, I think um, yeah, there, there's definitely the ability to command a margin uh, when you take these services out. And, and along with that, you know, I think, you know, I'm reading kind of some of the some of the comments. Um, you know, he says he's still shifting into MS, MSP where it got a break fix. This is a perfect opportunity to do that because you don't have to have the skill set. You don't have to have, you know, a big bench behind you um, because you can utilize these services to to offer this enterprise class um, level of service to your customers that you know, you're one guy, you're two guys. Um, you can offer the same level of service that the, you know, 30, 30 employee, 50 employee MSP is offering to their, um, you know, to their customers and, and make profit on that as well. Right. So he said he's, he's offering service plans on block time pricing. And I actually, uh, Go go watch the episode from. I don't. Time flies when you're having a coronavirus pandemic, right? <laughs> so was it last week or the week before where I sat down with James Vickery? Um, you can even listen to it on the podcast networks, guys. Uh, just look up the Rocket MSP podcast, and you'll see the cartoon of me and James Vickery, and we talk about pricing. And Yates, that is uh, that is one that I really think you should be listening to because we talk about pricing and selling. And then uh, go back a few weeks before that and listen to the one with Paul Green where we talk about marketing. Um, another another great episode for you to listen to or watch um, on YouTube. YouTube has ads. Podcast probably doesn't. I don't, who knows what those platforms do, right? But I don't put any ads on the podcast. On YouTube, I am 100% monetizing everything. I make literally dozens of dollars. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, so, yeah, hey, you know, it's, <laughs> it's mailbox money, right? right. So, so I think we, we all agree on, on the concept of of our value now what does green cloud defense do to help the msps sell green cloud defense so from a selling standpoint i mean we have an entire onboarding team uh, that that walks through customer profiles uh, we provide collateral material <clears throat> we provide, you know, battle cards against competitors that are out there. Um, I mean, we basically arm the MSPs with an entire campaign they can roll out to their uh, to their end user base uh, as part of the the service. Excellent. Yeah, and that includes co branded materials, marketing materials, things like that. Right. Um, That's perfect. So that, so that they can utilize the the marketing team that we have built. And, and utilize that to their advantage. And in, and in early, you know, the early part of the relationship, we'll have people who will co-sell with them. So we'll, we'll provide expertise on the phone uh, with their end customers nice. from a support perspective, uh, both sales and sales engineering resources as necessary. All right. Now, if we have somebody here that goes, I'm interested in learning more. Um, 
they can just go to greencloudefense.com. That's correct. Greencloudefense.com. All right. Now, um, what does it cost to become a partner? Um, so we have a, a minimum engagement. Um, and so you, you know, there's a partner recruitment uh, specialist that will work with you, look at your customer base with you, and then come up with uh, a, a minimum engagement um, that that we would start the relationship with. Okay. And it, it can so, be as low as, I think, $500 a month. So, I mean, it's okay. not a significant uh, barrier to entry. Obviously, as you spend more, your prices get a little better. You know, there's there's a partner, a full partner program uh, that allows, you know, commitments, you know, upwards of, of $10,000 a month if, if, if you have a base that can uh, grow to that. And so, um, you know, we can take on any any size MSP. So here's here's the one thing that I think really grinds all the MSPs gears, right? Why have minimums? Because, gosh, you're just pricing yourself out of reach to many of these smaller MSPs. Because, I mean, think there are there are MSPs out there that are currently generating between sixty thousand and one hundred thousand in gross revenue, and like we're not even talking about what the net profit is for them mm-hmm. after after they pay for everything right you know some of these guys are only paying themselves 25,000 to 40,000 a year on on a good year right so for for you to say all i need is a minimum of $6,000 from you a year i mean that's but that's that's just getting one to two customers to convert the service and so that's not paying to be a partner. That's just revenue sold to your end customer. Well, okay. So then, then let me let me rephrase the the question. So when I said how much does it cost to become a partner? So let's say I I get on the phone with you guys. I like what I hear. I want to move forward, and I want to figure out how to like use you and sell this to my customers. Like you're going to sit down and you're going to help me put together a plan and market this to my existing customers before I have to give you any money then? Yes. Okay. And then once I bring on a couple customers, let's say the, the first customer is 150 and the second customer is 300, I just have to pay the extra 50 out of pocket then? Correct. Okay. But we'll give you, we'll, But we'll give you a time period to get there. So we don't expect okay. you to have customers day one. Okay. There's, there's a ramp involved in that whole process to make sure that, okay. I mean, it's mutual success, right? Uh, sure. We're successful when our partners are successful. Um, so we want to do everything we can to get there. And and I can appreciate that. Um, I just know that, that some people hear that number and they'll go, I, I'll, I'll never get there. Why would I? I don't even spend that much on my RMM. Why would I spend five hundred dollars on this stupid security thing? And and they'll just write it off completely. That there are, there may be some, there may be, uh, but when you look at you know a, a specific end user, I mean guys, you know like we're we're speaking with Yates Networks. I mean, if you go to a customer and you convince one of your customers or two of your customers that they need a security suite, you've you've basically hit the minimum commitment that you need. Um, 
And, you know, maybe it, it doesn't make sense to, to have a formal partnership until, you know, one of your customers is ready. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we think the small to medium business community, you know, needs security services. I think you echoed that. And, you know, it's incumbent on the MSPs as their technology consultant uh, to spend the time to convince them that, you know, they have to open up their, um, their spend to, to encompass some type of security solution. And sometimes that's not an easy task. No, it really isn't. Well, well, gentlemen, I thank you both for, for coming on here and answering all my questions and letting me beat you up a little bit. Is, is there anything that you, you wanted to go over and, and maybe I didn't ask you about? No, I mean, we, we welcome, you know, um, you know, please, you know, give us, give us a call, contact us, let us tell you more about the solutions in depth both the hosting and the security suites. And uh, we'd love to walk everyone through the uh, partner program and the benefits that come along with working with Green Cloud Defense. Perfect. Thanks for the time and, and yeah, reach out in any fashion. Um, You know, we're here to help. So let us know. All right. Well, um, with that said, I'm going to let you gentlemen go. There's there's no point in, in making this and dragging it along, right? Uh, so so thanks thanks so much um, for those of you watching live. Thanks for watching. Uh, again, check out the podcast. We're we're now on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google. Uh, I think I'm on Pandora, iHeartRadio. Like there's a, a big stupid list of all these things. It's it's all syndicated, so I only have to upload it once. It's great. Um, and uh, tomorrow I have two episodes. Uh, I'm meeting with uh, Raphael again from uh, Adea. I always want to say Adia because that's how it's spelled, but it's Adea Security. And then I am also meeting with um, Justin Justin Esker tomorrow. Um, and we're going to just talk about his MSP and he wrote a children's book and all kinds of other cool stuff. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll see some of you guys tomorrow and you all enjoy yourselves a wonderful day. Go, go enjoy. Hopefully you have some sun outside (laughs) high of 68 today here in Ohio. So, so go outside and enjoy it, everybody. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care guys. Thanks again. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.